Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and we've been ministering on the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to take that to another level this morning. Praise the Lord. Say this with me. You got your Bible? Come on, let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you in these next few moments that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak and reveal truth and clarity into our lives so that we can walk for you and live for you with greater clarity and purpose than ever before. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. Amen. It's there on the cover of your outline, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But before we get into this, the last few weeks uh, prior to this, Sean preached last week, but the last two weeks prior to that, we shared a couple of mess with you on the importance or what it means to pray in tongues and how that works. Two weeks ago, I talked to you about and tried to bring clarity of understanding how we were formed to be a house for spirit. God created us to contain spirit. And God understands that, but the devil also understands that. And I read you the verse of Scripture out of Luke there where Jesus says, when, when you, the Spirit goes out of a man, then it roams in dry places, and then it goes, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to go back to my house. And, and he comes back and he finds the house swept clean, and then he goes and gets out and comes and occupies. And that Spirit doesn't have volume the way we think about that. So regardless of whether it's one Spirit or thousands of Spirit, it's a man with a legion. Amen? Or whether it is God and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in his fullness. Amen? God comes with all of his fullness into our life. But we were made as a temple or a dwelling place for Spirit to contain Spirit. But then we found out, we walk you through the scriptures, that when demonic spirits were in people, when people were uh, demon-filled instead of Holy Spirit-filled, when they were filled with the demonic spirit, but th- those spirits also used their voice. Amen? Or in other words, spirits used their, their voice and communicated and spoke through them. And so showing you that spirit can speak and use our voice, whether it is the demonic spirit or the Holy Spirit. So it's not an unnatural thing. Are you listening to me? People think, well, it's so unnatural for me to pray in a language of the Spirit, to pray in an unknown tongue, an unlearned language by the Spirit. That, that is so weird. No, it's perfectly natural for you to speak with the voice of the Spirit. Amen. I'm kind of quiet right there. But it is. It's normal. It's not an abhorrent, but it is. It's natural. And, and even in the place, not, not only just praying in an unknown tongue, but there are times when God gives you a prophetic word. The words that you are speaking aren't coming from you. The Holy Spirit's given you those words. If God gives you a word of knowledge, that word of knowledge for somebody, you didn't think that up. The Holy Spirit gave you those words. So it's the Holy Spirit who is speaking using your voice. Amen. Your voice is, is being directed by the Holy Spirit. So God is using your voice. And I, I was talking to a young lady after service, and I'm just to, to throw this in here. But we forget God does everything by words. The devil does everything by words. And our life is shaped by the words we choose to believe and the words we choose to speak. Jesus, Listen, Jesus said it like this. You'll be justified... Or condemned by the word you speak. And you will give an account for every idle word that you speak. Because words are a creative force. 
Look at everything happening in our society today. Our nation is being reshaped by words. And so there, 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 there's, a, there's a demonic liberal agenda. I'm just going to say it as clear as I can. Because let me put you like this. Just because I'm a pastor, it does not mean I'm no longer a citizen of the United States. So as a citizen, I have a right to have a voice. But as a pastor, I also have a right to declare the truth. And when there's a demonic agenda against the church and against liberty and against our freedom, we have every right to speak on that and not be told, oh, don't be political in church. Well, it isn't about being political. It's about declaring truth. Are you with me? So if you look at everything that's being said, the, 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 the agenda of the enemy is declared by words. And it keeps saying those words and saying those words and saying those words until we embrace those words and we say the same words. And the next thing you know, we begin to identify ourselves by those words. And those words reshape the way we think and we come into agreement with that. And it produces a harvest. And that's where we're living today. We're living in. And so now we got the whole thing. We're being told, we're we're being sold the words of democratic socialism. And so a new term comes on there. And and, and then you got transgender. And then you got this identity and that identity. And things are being added to this and something added to that. And then we're redefining marriage. Are you listening to me? I'm not singling anything out. I'm just saying that all these things come. Look at this. We were told that abortion was supposed to be just for, you know, the the health of the mother. That if she was in jeopardy for rape or for incest or for an emergency for the health of the mother. And now we're being told that it can be infanticide. That the child can be born and the doctor and the mother can decide while the baby's laying outside the womb there on the table. They can decide whether it's all right for that to live. Because the devil never stops taking ground. And that's the law that was passed in New York. Is that, you can, that the child can be born and then you can kill the child after it's actually born and breathing in the hospital room. That's where we, but, but see it comes because the devil fights like this. The devil takes ground. He pushes to see what you will give up. And if you give up, he, he'll occupy that ground. And he'll stand right there. And then he'll push again to see if you'll give that up. And so what's happened is, is that the church has said, well, I, you know, we're, we don't want to be political. We don't want to speak. So what's happened, we're being, we've, we've agreed to be shoved into a corner and to give up our freedom. All it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And so what we do, well, you know, I don't want to create any problem. I don't want to create any strife. And, and then the next thing you know, that stuff camps on your doorstep. I got a kick out of it the other day because all the people that are accepting all the transgender thing that's going on, and you, you, you identify however you want. It doesn't affect my life. I could give a flying rip. But, but in all that area, the, but, but what happens is now these people are, 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 are running. So now we got the girls on the track team that got whooped by boys identifying as girls. And they're going, wait a minute, I just lost my college scholarship because I had to compete against a boy. Well, welcome to your choice. Because evil doesn't care, and it will devour itself. Are you listening to me? It doesn't care. It doesn't play favor. And Oh, no, we thought you were just against those religious people that, that, that have homophobia and everything. I didn't know you were against us. Are you doing all right? And so what I'm saying is, but, but no matter what it is, and, and, and uh, people, that's why we don't understand when it comes to fighting Islam or any of those things in terrorism, because the spirit behind Islam does the same thing. It's a demonic spirit. I'm sorry, it's a demonic spirit behind that. A religious demonic spirit. Amen. Every, every religion, I don't, I don't care what they say, every religion outside of Christ is motivated by demons. I'm sorry if that upsets you. 
then again, I don't give a flying rip. But, but over here, <coughs> why? It's free speech. I'm entitled to my opinion. But, but, but this way, so, so, so in the Eastern culture, the, the, way, the way it happens is, is that the Islamic culture, they, they attack and they push to see if you'll give up ground. And then they occupy that ground. That's why there's been this whole battle over Palestine and everything else and Jerusalem and, and the two states and all this stuff and everything. Because they want to occupy and take ground and they want you to give up ground. It's to see how much ground will you give up. And so in dealing with that, and that's where Daniel Kazum, when he was here, this is what he said. He said, hey... I was born in Iraq, and, 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 and I immigrated out of there at, at, at a teenage years, and I went to Israel and that. But he, shared, he said, the problem with the West is we don't understand Eastern culture. And so it pushes and gets you to give up ground. And, and, and then what happens is, is that you give up that ground, and if you don't push back harder, it just occupies that ground. Which is why people don't understand how Israel deals with the attacks that come against them. They understand the culture, so when they're attacked, they hit back really hard. And everybody goes, oh, wow, why'd you hit back so hard? Because we understand the culture and you don't. Are you with me? And so what happened, but stay with me, I'm still talking about the Holy Spirit. Now bring that over into your spiritual life. The devil works that way in politics, he works that way in religion, he works that way in terrorism, he works that way in all the identity areas of the world. He pushes to take ground to see what you will give up. And the devil does the same thing. And we think, oh, that'll never come to pass, because what the devil does is he proposes the absurd, and he settles for the compromise. So we hear things in politics, oh, that'll never happen. Let me give you the Green New Deal. That'll never happen. No, it'll never happen, but we'll compromise with something along the way, and we'll give up territory. Because whether it's something like that, just as an illustration, it is, it, it is a, it's, beyond, it's preposterous. But in order not to offend, we'll give something up. And we're gradually giving up territory. And that's what happens in your spiritual life. The devil keeps pushing you back into a corner, pushing you back into a corner. And the Holy Spirit has been given to you so you would have power and authority in the earth and not be pushed around by the lies of the devil. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important in your life. It's there in your outline, Acts chapter 1-8. Look at it. And it says right here. And it says, but you shall receive You shall receive power. Look at that. Ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. You shall receive power and you'll be my witness. So power means that God says, I know you're not able to do what I'm asking you to do. So I'm going to empower you with my power to do it. I will enable you by my spirit and my anointing upon you I will equip you so you will no longer have an excuse what we do is we make excuses of why we can't do anything from God God says I baptized you with my spirit so you would no longer have an excuse you're equipped to do and I don't know if I'll make it this service is turned around from first service but in this area, what we do and what's happened in the church is we've accepted the lie. And, the, and I believe this is my personal opinion. Again, I don't care if you believe it or not. But what has happened is the devil has perpetuated a lie that power and authority belongs to the ministry. And we're supposed to look to a select group to walk in the power. Which isn't what the Bible says. The Bible says that I'm given a gift to equip you to do it. I'm given a gift 
That is to equip you. The five-fold ministry is given for the purpose of equipping the saints. To walk, in the, to, watch it, to walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ. That every believer should be a Holy Ghost powerhouse. Not believing for somebody else to do it for them. Not having to fly to Tampa to get a blessing. Not having to fly to Toronto to get a blessing. Not having to go here. Not to having to Fred Funkelmeyer lay hands on me to get a blessing. Because Fred Funkelmeyer is anointed for the hour. Glory to God. Thank God for Fred. Amen. But all you need is the Holy Ghost. Amen. So what happens is we start following men instead of following Jesus. Are you doing all right? I'm probably not going to be very popular after today. My wife says, honey, we'd have a bigger church if you wouldn't preach like this. I said, I don't care. <laughs> Amen. So look back at this, the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the promise to walk in spiritual power and authority in this life with Christ. As his witness and to declare his gospel. Christianity was never meant to be a life of victimhood. We are not called to be victims. We are called to walk in power and authority. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to new life, to being born again, to being filled and having the life of the Spirit on the inside of you and to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and anointed with power to do the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. But it's be a life that has been delivered from the oppressive power of the enemy. Acts 10.38, Peter declared that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, get this, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now all these things that we hear today, they become oppressing things. What, what, what happened? Let me just give you an example. Watch what's happened. Those little girls running in that track meet who had worked so hard and had practiced to compete, they were now, they're being oppressed by the new acceptance of our day. Are you listening? Just, just as an example. So now they're oppressed and, and, and they're being pushed aside and castigated and thrown aside. And now if they speak up, oh my goodness. Are you listening to me? If they speak up anything in their own defense. So how many know that's oppression? And so in that, there's a spirit behind that that oppresses the world. Overall, I don't care what item it is or what area it is. And this is where people miss it. This is what the devil has done. He said, don't say about that because that means you're attacking people. I'm not attacking people. I'm attacking the devil. I'm attacking the source behind that, the spirit behind that. I, don't, I, I love individual, and that's what people say. You can't say anything, and they turn it around into a personal attack. I haven't called anybody's name. I haven't singled anybody out. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a principle, and that's where we miss it. If you don't understand the principle and how it works, and so the devil makes us feel bad. Well, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. It's not about feeling bad. It's about standing for truth. So when Jesus called his disciples to himself, before he sent them out, he gave them power and authority over all demonic and spiritual forces and over all sicknesses and disease. His great commission upon our lives is a commission of power. That the gospel is not to be declared in word only, but in power. We're not just supposed to preach. Why do we give altar calls? Why do we pray for everybody? Because if we just come together and there's no power, we might as well be the Lions Club. Amen. We could have good potlucks too. Hallelujah. Barbecues, whatever. See, Paul affirms this to the church at Corinth. When I came first to you, dear brothers and sisters, I did not use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. 
For I declared that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And my message and my preaching were very plain. I've always taken great comfort in that statement myself. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Your faith, my faith as a pastor, I want to bring you into a place where you believe in God's power in your life. Not just in nice words or anything, but God really has released his power towards you. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul said this, some of you have become arrogant thinking I will not visit you again. Or in other words, there are people coming in, and it happens no matter where you go. People come in, they jockey for position, doing the, and oh, Paul, you know, blah, 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 blah. Paul says, I know all these guys are talking, saying this, but this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come to you, and when I come to you again, I'm not going to know their word. I'm going to know their power. Are you with me? So look at what he said. He said, that you think I won't visit you again, but I will come in soon if the Lord lets me. And then I will find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. Say, Pastor, why you preach like that? Because we've reduced our churches down to just talking nice sermons. And we're no longer declaring the power of God. We're no longer calling people into walking relationship with a living God in living power. But he says, it is, a live, it is living, the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism of power, being endued with power, being clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the choice to live by His power and to walk in His anointing or to simply cling to the powerless words of religion. Amen. And so what do we do? We, we've reduced everything down to we just trying to tell people how nice God is and how much God wants them to have a nice life, how God wants them the best. I'll tell you what God wants. God wants you to risk everything in your life for his glory. What does God want? He asks you to risk your whole life to put your whole life on the line for his glory. He said, this is what I want to do. I want to be declared in the earth and I'm going to be glorified in the earth. And I'm going to do it through the people who will say yes to me. And he says, and I will empower you. And when you think you've lost everything or you've given up everything, you're going to find I'm right there with you. And that's, how, that's why I like these pro projects we're going through. And I go, oh, God. And I say, Lord, I've learned this long enough now. I'm not trying to force anything. I'm not running around trying to make a bunch of calls. I say, God, you know who's supposed to do what, who's supposed to be working on what side. And when we get to the right person, it'll all work. So I, I start thinking, I want to do it now. I want to get in there, get going, start working. And then God said, well, I put this person in. Then that happened in a day and this happened today. I said, glory to God. Are you listening to me? So how to trust God and to walk with him. Luke 24 verse 49 says, And behold, I will send forth upon you what my father has promised. But remain in the city, Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. So what does that mean? This, this coat is my clothing. It's not in me. The Holy Spirit, when you're born again, the Holy Ghost comes and lives on the inside of you. Okay, but, but this is a coat. This is a clothing. So Jesus said, uh, you have life in you, but now there's going to be an anointing, an endowment, a, a clothing of power. And when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to be clothed with power. And so he uses that, a clothing. So I know when I put my coat on. 
Okay? So he said, but it's a clothing. But then he says this, this anointing is not for you. Everybody look up here just for a minute. The Holy Ghost, the anointing, the baptism isn't for you. It's to equip you to be used by God. And so if I've taken the anointing and all I do is use it in my prayer life, use it in my Christian circle, use it amongst my friends so we can look at each other, prophesy each other, give each other good words, that's a waste. Amen. The, the anointing is for you to preach the gospel to the whole world. It's God's power upon you so that when you go, you go out in power and you declare the kingdom in power. Are you with me? Uh, we'll get uh, young Caleb Wampler to come back. Young guy, I like him. Remember him came uh, about a year and a half ago. He came, but just a young guy in his early 20s. And now he's over in India. He's over there right now holding a crusade and thousands of people coming to the Lord. Amen. God raised him up. He went down to Costa Rica going around. But he, he, just, goes, he just goes, I'm going to become a power evangelist. I want to see God's power. So he goes, having signs, wonders, and miracles. What's happening in the church? Is, see, here's the other problem. Is that God created us and he gave us power. To create. And in our culture here in America, look at all the great conveniences we've created. We've created so many conveniences, we really don't need to believe God for a whole lot. So we have more faith in our creative power than his power working through our lives. Amen. But, but the anointing upon you isn't just for you. The Holy Ghost, when you get saved, the Holy Ghost comes in you and the fruit of the Spirit is on the inside of you for regeneration, for renewing you personally making you better the holy spirit is always working in you for you how many say that's okay so he's working in you for you but then he's he's upon you for others and the devil knows that so he doesn't want you walking in this clothing to minister to others so he has a whole line where he's pushed in the church and he's gotten the church to give up this to give up this to give up this to give up this we're basically we're a coatless church so, okay, that's not for today. I'll take that off. I don't need that. All we need is just good Bible lessons. And so we'll walk through the Bible. We'll preach the Bible. We'll preach it through year by year, verse by verse. And when it's all over, we'll have no more power than we have today. Amen. But we'll go through it next year again. And again. And I'll preach that same sermon. And again, and again, and again. And Paul says, that's nice, but where's the power? Are you doing all right? Where's the power? Say, Pastor, you're radical. That's all right. I've tried to change it. didn't work, so I just stayed the same. <laughs> the next guy can be really smart and smooth and slick and help everybody out. Hallelujah. Amen. So watch this. We can choose the anointing. We can choose the anointing and the walk of faith that is anchored Anchored in truth and power over all the power of the enemy. When Jesus called his disciples, go with me quickly to Luke chapter 9. When Jesus called his disciples to him, before he sent them out, he did something amazing. It was for the purpose of commissioning and sending them to preach the gospel. His commission was a commissioning of authority and power. They went out in that authority and experienced miracles. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons, devils. So look at that. The first thing he says, I'm giving you authority over demonic spirits, over devils and demons. Amen. 
And then next, to cure, somebody say cure, diseases. Verse 2, now look what it says. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So watch this. So we've given up the anointing. And we don't believe in casting out devils anymore. And we don't believe we can heal the sick anymore. So we just say little impotent prayers. All right, don't shout me down just because I'm preaching real good. But if, if look, he, he didn't say, nowhere did Jesus say pray for the sick. The commission is not to pray for the sick. The commission is to heal the sick. See, I don't even know how I can say that. God's given me a ministry of shock and awe. It really, because what religion puts us to sleep. And, and, and we just accept things, and we just go through religious tradition, and we just take it, well, you know, well, you know, if the Lord wills, you know, I don't know, you never know what the Lord will do. It's in the Bible. He says, are you, do, are you doing that? But see, the other side of this is that you have to choose to walk in this. Let me just give it to you again. The devil is a controlling spirit. God asks you to agree with his spirit. The Holy Spirit will never make you do anything. God will never make you have any more desire for him than you have right now. You're going to have to desire. Paul said like this. Paul says, desire spiritual gifts. You must desire spiritual gifts. How many of you have ever had, had, have desired anything? Amen. I desired my wife. I pursued her. Amen. We wanted a house. We desired to own our own home. We pursued owning our own home. We went through all the process, paid all the own price to do that. We desire to fix up our, all the things you want. You desire a car. You desire transportation. You desire, you desire something. You know what it means to go after something. Just sitting there wanting it isn't going to make it happen. You're gonna, so just sitting here wanting this to be more spiritual than I am, wanting to walk in the power of God, want, wanting to exercise my faith, somewhere desire is going to have to translate into activity and pursuit. Are you doing all right? But then we hear this stuff, and next thing you know, we get fired up, and then somebody says, well, you know, you don't want to get too far over there. And you heard me say it a few weeks ago. People go, well, you get all fired up in that face stuff. You know, there's that hyper face stuff. You don't want to get too far out there. But nobody ever tells you not to get too far out in doubt and unbelief. They encourage you, you know, you need to be more afraid about that. You need to doubt that a little bit more. You need to go further over here into this realm of defeat. Doing okay? So God brings people like me to wake us up. Amen. Just to say, and, and, and then people get mad. Well, you know, I don't care for preaching like that. I don't care. Amen. Well, and and, and I, I mean that in the nicest way possible. No, you, you misunderstand what I'm saying. Because if I cared, if I cared what you think, I would have to be unloyal to God. Because I'm supposed to declare the word without compromise. Not to, I, I can't want, I, the, the word of God isn't to make you feel better. All right, people, well, you know, God is a God of love. Jesus said, I, I beg you differently. I didn't come to, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace on the earth. He said, I came to bring a sword and division. And your enemies will be those of your own household. A father against a son. A mother against a daughter. If you choose to live for me, you're going to have to choose to walk a line 
of hard, uh, not of hardness, not of non-love, but that will be a line of division. Pastor, that's in the Bible. In red, it's in the Bible. Amen. So Jesus said, I didn't come, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth, but fire. Amen. What did, what, 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 uh, John said it like this about the baptism. It said that, that he will separate the wheat from the chaff and consume the chaff with fire. Can we forget about, are you doing okay? So what happens is, is that the, the lie, go back to the beginning, terrorism, the lie just starts settled and we accept it because it's not too radical, not too radical, not too radical, not too radical, not too radical. But then the other thing comes along and the enemy, as I said earlier, the enemy proposes the preponderous, the, just the crazy stuff, because they know there's no backbone in people anymore. So instead of offending everybody, they'll settle for a compromise somewhere along the line and they will have moved their agenda more forward which is how we've gotten to where we are today over a process of years, which is why when you read the Communist Manifesto, it says that in several generations, over a period of generations, we will change the course of America. Now you got, let me just throw, throw this out to you. You got Bernie Sanders made this in his presidential declaration. This is what Bernie Sanders says as the Democratic Socialist for our nation. He has already declared his intent. He said, we will change, we will completely transform our country. So the, the devil comes out and boldly tells you, boldly declares what he's going to do, whether it's in politics, whether it's in any other area, then you have to decide what you're going to do. But you've been told the lie, don't say anything, don't get out. And this is what had happened. We bought into that lie, and let me just share it how it works and brings us to a place of impotency where the church is. The church is the most powerful force on the earth. And so what's happened is, because we bought into that lie, what's happened is, is that we don't want to engage. And so less than 40% of Christians actually vote. Which means that almost 70% of believers don't even go enough to vote. And there's so many that if we voted, we wouldn't have all these nice people <laughs> in office changing and pushing the agenda. Say, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because it's so important that we hear, and I have to finish this. <laughs> he gave them power and authority to preach the gospel and to heal the sick, not to compromise with sickness and disease. Verse 6, look at verse 6. So they departed and went out through towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Go to chapter 10, verse 1. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 other. So it's not just for the 12. It was never just for the 12. It was never just for a select few. It wasn't just for the elite, the anointed. It wasn't just for them. It was for everybody. God is an equal opportunity God. Are you listening to me? So he's equal for everybody. Every one of you can walk in the fullness of God's power. That's what's so exciting about young people. Young people ha haven't been uh, uh, religionized enough yet. So you can get teenagers, you can get young people, you can go, hey, you know what God will do in your life? They go, what? God will use you to do great things. Did you know that God said you could lay your hands on the sick and they were, he did? I could use you. <laughs> yeah. And they'll just go out and do it. Because they, they haven't got to the age of debate where you are. We debate with God. Amen. I, I, I shared this illustration, and, and, and I'll do it in first service. I'll do it here. 
How, how remember the story of, of, of Naaman from Syria? And, 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 and he's got a, a little Jewish servant there. And he's got leprosy. And he's trying to figure out how to get healed. And, and, and the little guy goes, there's a prophet in Israel. And, and, and God uses him. And, and, and if you go ask him, I'm, I'm sure he, he'd, he could provide an answer for you. So they get on their little donkeys or whatever. And they ride over there. They come to Elisha's house. Elisha's in there, and the servant comes in. Gehazi comes in. He says, hey, Naaman, this great captain over here, he's come to see you. got leprosy. I don't know if he can help him out. And, and Elisha goes, sends Gehazi back out. Hey, just go tell him, dip seven times in the Jordan. So Naaman goes, what? I'm a great man. I'm very important. He won't even come out. He sent his servant to come out and to tell me to go dip in this muddy river. Are you kidding me? And so then his servant says, dude, <laughs> if he'd have asked you to do something great, you would have done it, right? What's the harm in dipping? So he goes and dips and he gets healed. But we, like Naaman, we have to understand how is dipping going to work? Why, 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 couldn't, why, why seven times? Why can't it just dip once? Why does it have to be in the Jordan? Why does it have to be here? I just don't understand. That's why we get nothing from God. Because faith doesn't work by you understanding. It works by your obedience. God said and we do. God said and we do. God doesn't explain. God just says and you believe and you receive. That's it. Are you doing all right? So we take God out of his word in that. So let me ask you this. So here, Jesus calls the 12, and after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. Somebody say 70. Sent them out two by two before his face to every city. Okay? And, and look over at verse 9. And he said, and heal the sick who are there. Didn't say pray for them. Heal the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So the anointing and, and the power and the commissioning was to go with power and to touch people with the power of God. And it wasn't for the disciples. It wasn't for them. It was God's anointing on them for the benefit of somebody else. And they went out in that power and they touched life. And they said, hey, that's God's kingdom. What do you think of that? Amen? And you touch people with power and they believe. Hallelujah. His plan has never changed. We are still commissioned to go out with authority and power. Look at verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Behold, I give you power and authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all. Somebody say all. All the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Wow. Amen. Nothing shall hurt you. So God's plan has never changed. We are still commissioned to go out with authority and power. And His commission is for every believer. God has never been a respecter of person. He is equal to all. He is all God to all of us. He has no favorites after me. You're his favorite, you're his favorite, you're his favorite. Everybody is God's favorite. You need to tell yourself, I am God's favorite. Amen. 
He, you are. God, He doesn't give anybody any more, respect anybody any more than you. Many times the only difference between somebody doing things for God is they just didn't question it. They just believed God. God, I believe you want to use me. God will use anybody to declare His glory. You see, the baptism with and in the Holy Spirit was given in such a way that those who received it would be assured that they had received the power to be his witness. So it came with the confirming sign. And that's why we dealt about tongue and understanding that. So when the Holy Spirit, who is already in you, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, he starts to rise up out of you. And he says, let, let, let me pray through your voice. Let, let me praise through your voice. Because on the day of Pentecost, they heard them praising God, speaking the wonderful works of God. And so the Holy Spirit, what we do is we, just, we figure out, as I've already told you, that my mouth is just a faucet and living water is in my belly. And so I just allow the Holy Spirit to flow through my life. I say, Holy Spirit, feel free to use my voice. And you let Him pray through you. You allow Him to give you the, the Word. He gives you the utterance. He supplies the living water. Are you doing all right? But he's there, but then that anointing comes, and so God says, how will they know, what can I do, so I will give them a sign. Now, I'm going to put it to you like this. People say, well, why did God choose tongue? Because you have to receive it by faith. You have to operate it in it by faith. If he had given you some natural sign, it wouldn't take any faith, and it could be counterfeited. Doing all right? So, he gave it to you that way. And so... The evidence of speaking in other languages or unknown language being given by the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you these four questions. We get ready to close. Why tongues? So that you may know. Go home today or this week and read 1 John and underline every time in the epistle of 1 John how many times so that you may know. So that you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know. God wants you to know things, not be questionable about things. Even when he says, 1 John 5, this is the confidence that we have. God wants you to walk in confidence in your relationship with him. Could you shout a good amen? So watch this. That God, so why would he give us tongue? That to show that God had kept and fulfilled his promise. On Acts chapter 2, verse 23, Peter said, God has kept his promise and he's poured out his Holy Spirit and pouring out his spirit. And that is what you now see and hear. So it was confirmed that God kept his word. Secondly, he did it so that there would be a personal confirming sign in our life that we had received the promise and the power to be his witnesses. Thirdly, to transform our personal prayer life with spiritual power. Fourthly, as a confirming sign to others of receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit. As also we had other gentlemen in, in first service get baptized in the Holy Spirit, been in church serving God a long time, had a lot of blocking, then right here in, in first service, just started pray, freely, started praying. It was so awesome! I love people getting free. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and what was, what, the reason I say that is you watch people and they have so much constriction in their mind. And the Holy Spirit just wants to flow through their life. And they're having to fight through everything. If you just get them to turn off their brain. Amen. Should be easy for guys because we hardly think about anything anyway. Amen. So look at the last page of your outline. The most powerful force in your life is God's voice. I have to close here. I said this to you two weeks ago. You need to hear this. The most powerful force in your life is God's voice, and the devil knows it. The worship team will make their way back up. His voice always speaks his perfect will. 
His voice always speaks creative words that never return voice. His voice is connected to his knowledge in all things. His voice is the only voice that wins every argument with the devil and declares his defeat with authority. His voice rebukes the devil and his attacks against our life. His voice is our weapon for warfare in life. Amen. If there's anything that the devil does not want, it's God's words in your mouth being spoken in the earth by his spirit. Because when that happens, you're praying his perfect will. You're building up your most holy faith. You're interceding for the ministry to go forth. You're speaking words of edification, exhortation, and comfort to the church. You're speaking words of knowledge and wisdom from God. You're discerning spirits. You're working miracles. You're having faith and healing the sick and releasing the prophetic declaration of God's will in the earth today. He wants you bound in fear and silence. He wants the church incapacitated with fear and unbelief. He wants no one walking in their God-given power and authority over Him. He wants people to believe that the fullness of God's power is no longer for our lives. But the devil is a liar. He's a liar. The father of lies and the perpetrator of deception through, a, through religious traditions handed down from generation to generation. You see, revival always comes when God's people go back to His Word in a personal pursuit. To know the truth and to have a passionate desire to walk in that truth in their life. When they no longer take what they hear for granted as being the truth. They want to prove that it is true before they accept it. I challenge you, whatever I preach you, go back to the Bible. If it's not true, come and tell me, Pastor, that isn't in the Bible. That's not God's Word. You're not preaching the truth. But if I'm preaching the Word of God, then it is the truth. Amen? And so we walk in that. What does that happen? When that happens, it happens because they become tired and dissatisfied with powerless faith. I get stirred up sometimes. I get mad. When I have to go to hospitals and I pray, I get mad when I pray for people in the hospital and something doesn't happen immediately. Something stirs up. And I challenge myself. I say, Don, you need to be praying in the Spirit more. You need to be pressing in more. Power is available. It's not just enough to say, oh, we are praying for you. Get, get you back here. Jesus didn't give us power just to pray. He gave us power to do. And something has to stir up that God, I'm not satisfied just to pray. I want to walk in the authority to do. Are you with me? But that's personal. Your life, my life. I, no, nobody's going to lay hands on you and transfer that to you. It only comes when you go after it. That's why Jesus said, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. And kick oil all over the place. Hallelujah. So just go after God. But it's your personal pursuit. It won't come any other way. Can you say amen? Watch this last part. They get hungry. They open the word and search for the truth. They go to God in prayer, asking, seeking, and knocking. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They press through the crowd. They rip off the roof. They cry out for mercy. They found the pearl of great price, and they're willing to pay the price to possess it. Stand with me this morning. I want you to do something for the next 30 seconds. I want you just to bow your head just privately, just you and the Lord. And I want you just to ask Him. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to my heart? See, you know exactly where you are with God. 
I learned a long time ago how people act in church isn't really how they are in their relationship with God. Amen. It's how they are when nobody sees them. It's how they are in the area. It's how they are when they're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts them off. It's how they are around their friends. It's how they are when they're under pressure. It's how they are when they have to stand. Your real relationship is seen in life. So you know where you really are with God. So ask yourself, say, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this today? I've heard that you want me to have a life of power, to walk in power, not to be limited, not to have doubt and fear, not to let the enemy push me off and to compromise. So what is God speaking to you about today? See, my, my job is to preach, to bring you to a point of a decision. That's what the altar is for. And we give altar calls not because there's something wrong, because, but because we want people to press in. Answering an altar call doesn't mean there's something wrong. It means I'm hungry for God. I want what God has. I want things to fall off no matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether it's my getting saved for the first time or pressing in the fullness or letting go of complacency. Whatever it is, I want what God has. I want it. I desire God. So I press in. I go to an altar to meet Him. Draw upon Him. So ask the Lord, how do you want me to respond to what I've just heard? Just take a moment and ask the Lord. You just ask Him, God, how should I respond to what I've heard today? today in any area God's calling you to respond or move and make a decision right here an altar is a place where we can lay some things down we, we lay down the self life we lay down another thing and we pick up the call of God upon our life place of sacrifice place of consecration and commitment where I consecrate commit my life to God but if you need prayer in any area of your life either in response to this message or any place else as they began to sing, I'm going to ask you to come and we'll pray for you. Father, today I thank you that you will draw every person to this altar who needs what only you can do in their life through prayer and the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, draw every person who needs prayer to this altar today in Jesus' name.